Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you download our free Living Truth app. Now, here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Colossians 1, 15 through 19, called The Preeminence of Christ. Jesus Christ is the exact representation of the Father. This word in Greek, exact representation, is character with a K in the middle instead of a C. It means an exact impression, a precise precise reproduction, and Jesus is, you could say it this way, the exact impress of God. Although man is the icon of God, go back to uh, Colossians chapter one, man is made in the image of God. We see that in the book of Genesis and other places. Um, he, fall, he fell. And so Jesus Christ, you could say it this way, because he is both God and man, is the exact representation of God to us, and he is also a perfect man. We want to be careful here, but here's what we could say about this. Jesus Christ, as we watch him in the Gospels, is everything that man was supposed to be. Man was supposed to glorify God in all of his actions. He was supposed to have a direct connection with his maker. He was not to be separated by sin from God. And so we have to be careful here because Jesus did miracles and all of that because Jesus is God, but Jesus is everything that man is supposed to be as well, the perfect man and, of course, 100% God. I know that this is some hard stuff to get your mind around, but this is what the Bible teaches. He is the image of the invisible God, Colossians 1. He is the firstborn of all creation. Now, the firstborn there is a word called prototype. Prototokos. <laughs> There's a big debate on how you say it. I've heard it say, say prototokos or prototokos, but there you go. So, firstborn. Now, here's what Jehovah's Witnesses have said. With all due respect to our Jehovah's Witness friends, they come to the door, and this is one of their pet texts. And they say, you see, Jesus Christ is called the firstborn, so he must be the first one born. And in their literature, they compare this word firstborn. If, if it's said that there's the firstborn of Pharaoh, then he's the first one born, right? Wrong. Because in Jewish uh, life and also in the Greek world, the firstborn often was not the first one born. Jacob took precedence over Esau. Was he the firstborn? No. Isaac took precedence over Ishmael. Was he the firstborn? No. The firstborn was the one that was given the place of rank or preeminence or superiority. The firstborn got a double portion. If Jesus Christ is literally the firstborn, as the Jehovah's Witnesses would like us to think, and here's what they've done, this is a little bit from history, they've picked up what's called the Arian heresy. There was a man way back in church history called Arius of Alexandria, and he taught that Jesus was the first and greatest creation of God. He was perhaps a high-ranking angel. Uh, he was a great one, maybe even a lesser God with a small g, but he was simply created. He was a great creation, but he was created. Arius, for that teaching, got kicked out of the church. The Jehovah's Witnesses in the 1800s picked up this teaching 
And this is one of the texts that they, they go with. They say that Jesus, somewhere back before the physical creation was made, was the first and greatest creation of God. How does that reflect the word firstborn, though? I mean, if you're going to take firstborn literally, wouldn't that mean that Jesus would have to have been born somewhere way back when? I'm not talking about Jesus being born to Mary in the manger. We're not talking about that. We're talking about somewhere way back in the distant past, even before creation occurred. Was he literally born then? No, he wasn't. And so that's not even what the Jehovah's Witnesses are saying. So what does the word firstborn mean? Well, in their book, Reasoning from the Scriptures, the Watchtower Society argues that the word firstborn indicates that Jesus is the eldest in Jehovah's family of sons. Indeed, the book says the term firstborn occurs over 30 times in the Bible, and in every case that it is applied to living creatures, the firstborn is part of a larger group, just as the firstborn of Pharaoh refers to the first one born to Pharaoh. So is Jesus the firstborn uh, or created by Jehovah, they say? In the book, The Greatest Man Who Ever Lived, a Jehovah's Witness book, we read, Jesus was a very special person because he was created by God before all other things. Now, this is interesting because if you read the text closely, Colossians calls Jesus the firstborn of all creation, not the firstborn of Jehovah. Listen to this argument. Thus, the JW argument makes no logical sense. If we are to draw a direct parallel between the firstborn of Pharaoh and the firstborn of all creation, then we must conclude that creation parented Jesus. But indeed, this is the reverse of what actually happened as the context of the passage clearly demonstrates. For in the very next verse, we find that, that Christ parented creation, not creation parenting Jesus. See, it says, it says here that he's the firstborn of all creation. So does that mean that creation parented Jesus? Well, look at the next verse. It says, for by him, Jesus, how many things? All things were created both in the heavens. Look at how sweeping this is. And on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created by him and notice for him. Jesus Christ has created everything. He can't be a creation if he is the creator, can he? And the answer is no. So what does the term firstborn then mean in context? It simply means this, that he has high rank, that he is over the creation, that it all belongs to him, that he is the heir of it all. This is what the passage is actually teaching. If you go to John 1 for a second, John 1, as John picks up the idea of the logos or the logos that came into the world, John 1, verse 1, here's what he says. And just so you know, there's other places where this is emphatically stated. John 1, 1 says these words. In the beginning, John 1, 1 was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Notice what it says, John 1, 3. All things came into being by him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Now, if you look at verse 14, it says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We know that the word is Jesus. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God, and all things came into being by him. What John 1.1 is teaching is that 
Before the beginning began, Jesus was there. Here's why. You can't be the beginner of creation and not be there before the beginning began. <laughs> if you're there before the beginning began, then you must be the beginner, right? And so what Jesus Christ did, and here's what the passage goes on to say. It says, how many things, John 1, 3? All things came into being by him, and apart from him, there is nothing. In other words, there is no creation without him. What does that mean? Jesus Christ is the creator. He created everything. And the sweeping statement in Colossians 1 includes angels. Go back to Colossians 1. And we'll take a little closer look at this before we move on. Colossians 1, actually verse 16. It says, For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on the earth, visible and invisible. So visible things are clear, all the different animals and species. Uh, there's all kinds of different insects. There's all kinds of different animals and species. It's incredible. Flowers. Think of everything in the universe. All things were created, both in the heavens. That means that Jesus made the stars. He made the constellations. He made everything in them, in the heavens, notice, on the earth, all the different uh, plants and animals and human beings. He made you and me. Things that are visible and what? Invisible. Now, the invisible is given more detail. It includes thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. This, these four phrases here encapsulate what theologians would call ranks of angels. Jesus made the angels. Now, the Colossian heresy that I told you about a few weeks ago said that Jesus was one of many emanations from God. Here's what the Gnostics or the Colossian errorists taught. They said, there's a God out there, but all matter is evil, so he didn't really make the world. And there was all these different go-betweens between God and the ultimate creator of the world. Jesus may be kind of at the top, but there's all these different emanations between. And in essence, they were saying that they're basically angels. But this verse says that Jesus made the angels. He's not an angel. He made the angels. Are you with me? So he can't be a created being. As high-ranking as angels may be, as glorious as Michael the archangel may be, he's my favorite in the Bible, by the way. <laughs> Still, it's a pretty big demotion to go from being the creator to something created. Some people say, well, what's the big deal? Well, the big deal is this. If you try to demote God, it's a pretty serious thing. I would imagine that God takes it personally. Right? If you want to say someone who claims to be God is not God, then you're putting yourself in a pretty tough spot. And so it does say that Jesus made everything. The Greek professor Daniel Wallace put it, he says, Paul makes it clear throughout this epistle that Jesus Christ is the supreme creator. He made everything, everything in the world. He made you and he made me. And he loved us so much that he came into this world to save us. That's the incredible truth about the person of Jesus Christ. By him, all things were made. Now, you say, well, okay, if the Jehovah's Witnesses go with this whole firstborn thing, what do they do with verse 16? Well, we often get ourselves in trouble when we isolate verses. We always need to read verses in what? In their proper context. So if they keep reading, they'd be okay. But here's what they do. They insert the word other. So here's how their version reads. 
For by him, verse 16, all other things were created, both in the heavens and the earth, visible and, and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all other things have been created by him and for him. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. Hey, Pastor Michael and the team really appreciate you listening to Walk in Truth. It's our goal to bring you the truth of God's Word and help you apply it to your life. To equip you when people in your community have questions, not to throw the truth in their faces, but to have an answer for the hope you have inside you. Would you please help us with something? Would you please reach out to us today to tell us how Walk in Truth has been a blessing to you? We have a church board, and they would love to hear from our listeners. They want to know how this ministry is reaching you. We would love to know how Pastor Michael's messages have helped you day to day, or even just this one time if you're a first-time listener. Please take a couple moments to either call us and leave us a message or email us. The number is 844-48-TRUTH or you can email us at contact at walkintruth.com. That's 844-48-TRUTH, 844-48-TRUTH or contact at walkintruth.com. And thank you so much and God bless. We'd love to see who's listening. So please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. He made everything, everything in the world. He made you and he made me. And he loved us so much that he came into this world to save us. That's the incredible truth about the person of Jesus Christ. By him, all things were made. Now, you say, well, okay, if the Jehovah's Witnesses go with this whole firstborn thing, what do they do with verse 16? Well, we often get ourselves in trouble when we isolate verses. We always need to read verses in what? In their proper context. So if they keep reading, they'd be okay. But here's what they do. They insert the word other. So here's how their version reads. For by him, verse 16, all other things were created both in the heavens and the earth, visible and and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all other things have been created by him and for him. Now what their, their, the people who did their translation called the New World Translation say is they put the word other in there to help explain the passage. Well, the word other is not in the original. Now, sometimes they say, but sometimes translators will put words in there to clarify meaning. They do it to clarify meaning, not to change meaning. Very important point. When you are taking Greek and Hebrew into a receptor language like English, and you see a sentence that needs to be clarified because there's not a great English word that directly translates that, you might use a, a couple of different words to bring clarity not to change the meaning. So what they did is they added the word other in there and what it does is change the meaning and and they think that that gets them off the hook because then Jesus can somehow be created. Now go to Isaiah 44 for a second. Isaiah 44 and look at verse 24 with me. If you study the Old Testament, you'll find that Isaiah chapters 40 through 48 are an incredible section where God says, I am the only God, there is no other God Uh, Before me or after me, I am it. 
There was no God formed before me, nor shall there be one after me. Let's just take a, a peek at this emphatic statement. Uh, 44.6, Isaiah. Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last, and there is what? No God besides me. Now, what happens is in some of these circles where people embrace this, what we call this Arian heresy, they say that Jesus is a, a God, and in the Jehovah's Witness translation of John 1, 1, they call him a God. Okay, well, so they're, they're saying that Jesus is some sort of lesser God. He's not almighty God, but he's still, he's still a pretty great one. He's like a, maybe a mighty God, but not almighty God. But there's only really one category of true deity. Isaiah 44, 6 says, I am the first and I am the last, and there is what? There is no God besides me. Just look back at Isaiah 43, 10. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, my servant whom I have chosen, in order that you may know and believe me, 43, 10, and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, and there will be what? None after me. The true God did not make a second God or a bunch of different God-like characters or angels or whatever. In between him, there's one God. He didn't form a God after him. There was no God formed before him. If you have to form a God, then he isn't God. If you have to be made, then you're not God. This, this whole section, by the way, is really mocking the gods of the nations in the, in the ancient world because they would form a god, they would, they would make an idol, and then they would make sure that their god wouldn't fall down. Okay, are, are you okay? Don't. And then there's a great story of the god Dagon in the Old Testament. Remember what happened to Dagon? Dagon fell. Right, and the priest had to come in and pick up the pieces. Right, let's super glue. We got any gorilla glue over here? They, if you have to put your god back together, I think you might want to change religions. Now, in Isaiah forty four twenty four, thinking of this context, notice what the verse says: forty four twenty four. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, and the one who formed you from the womb. I, the Lord, am maker of how many? Of all things. Stretching out the heavens by myself, spreading out the earth all alone. Now, if Jesus is the first and greatest creation of God, and he's a junior partner in creation, and this is what these groups say. They say, well, what happened was Jehovah made Jesus, and then he made all the creation through Jesus. So Jesus was made, and then he made the planets, and then he made everything else, and, and, and the angels or whatever. But, but Jesus was a junior partner in creation. He was there. Maybe even he created things, but it was by the power and authority of Jehovah. Wait a minute. The Bible just said in Isaiah 44, 24, the God who made all things in 44:24, middle of the verse, he stretched out the heavens by himself and he spread out the earth. What's your Bible say? All alone. This means clearly that Jehovah or Yahweh, which is the name that's used here, is the one who made everything. 
There wasn't some partnership between a, a created being after Yahweh uh, existed. He existed forever. And this means that Jesus, of course, is the eternal creator. There's no way around it. Back to Colossians. He has the name which is above every name. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. One writer says, by studying the creation, one can gain a glimpse of the power, knowledge, and wisdom of the creator. The sheer size of the universe is staggering. The sun, for example, has a diameter of 864,000 miles, 100 times that of the earth. It could hold 1.3 million planets the size of earth inside of it. The star Betelgeuse, however, has a diameter of 100 million miles, which is larger than the Earth's orbit around the sun. It takes sunlight traveling at 186,000 miles per second, about eight and a half minutes to reach Earth. Yet that same light would take more than four years to reach the nearest star. Alpha, Alpha Centauri, some 24 trillion miles from Earth, the galaxy to which our sun belongs, the Milky Way, contains hundreds of billions of stars, and astronomers estimate that there are millions or even billions of galaxies. What they can see leads them to estimate the number of stars in the universe at an incredible number. I think they say billions upon billions. Uh, th that is roughly the number of all grains of the sand on all the world's beaches. Just think about the implications of this. Christ, the one who came to save us and die for us, made everything. And he holds everything together. This is where the passage is leading now, Colossians 1. And look with me at verse 17. Colossians 1, verse 17. He made everything, and it says this, and he is before all things. That's a good way to define the word firstborn or prototokos or takas. He is before all things, and in him, what's your Bible say? All things hold together. Not only did he make everything, He's holding it all together. My understanding of what physicists say and astronomers and so forth about um, the atom is they're not quite sure why it's held together. They're not sure what power is holding it together because it should just fly apart, but it doesn't. Jesus Christ made the universe and he is holding it all together. You've been listening to The Preeminence of Christ, part two on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 19. Remember, if you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on the Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth on this station and on your podcast app. If you'd like to watch recent messages or church services with Pastor Michael and the Living Truth congregation, subscribe to our YouTube channel, Living Truth Christian Fellowship. You can find the channel and learn more about Walk in Truth on our website, walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Well, we're studying something called High Christology in Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 19. This would be an excellent study to recommend to a friend who may have questions about the deity of Christ or even the Trinity. And how are we to make sense of the fact that Jesus and the Father are one, yet Jesus is called God's Son? Well, God has decided to reveal himself to us in familial terms. And the Bible says in Colossians 1.15, the very passage we're studying, that Jesus is the visible manifestation of the invisible God. He is God in a bod, if you like rhymes to help you. 
honoring the Lord, of course, with everything that we say here. But God took on a body. Jesus was incarnated. The Son became flesh and dwelt among us. And when we were watching the Son do ministry and speak and so forth, we were watching the very words of the Father. Because Jesus said, if you've seen me, John 14, 9, you've seen the Father. Now, this is heavy stuff, but the invisible God became visible to us, incarnated in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus is God. God is triune, but Jesus is the Son. And God has decided to reveal this, as I said, in familiar terms, which is beautiful. And if we are in the Son, if we have the Son, we have the Father, because the Father and Son are one. Eternal life is found in the true God and found in the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. This is the way it works, and that's why we're tackling something like Colossians chapter 1, so we can learn more about this incredible doctrine of the incarnation and that Jesus is supreme. Jesus is God. Now, we open the Word of God every Wednesday night at Living Truth Christian Fellowship, where I serve as senior pastor. We have a Wednesday night Bible study at 7 p.m. where we dive into the Word of God, just like you're listening right now. And if you're anywhere close to the city of Corona, Living Truth Christian Fellowship is the church. The midweek service is at 7 p.m., located at 1009 Arsenal Way, right off the 91 Freeway and Lincoln Avenue. If you have questions, you can call us at 844 844- 48 truth that's 844 48 truth or you can find out information and driving directions when you go to walkintruth.com just click on the church tab hey so glad you're listening to the preeminence of the lord jesus christ we'll do a final part three tomorrow we'll see you right here god bless and join us tomorrow for part three of pastor michael lance's teaching in colossians 1 15 through 19 called the preeminence of christ I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.